Welcome to another episode of the YXC Sports Podcast on what is a gorgeous Monday. A little humid outside Ray Morrison, but it was a gorgeous weekend in Saskatoon, and the majority of today was gorgeous as well as uh, we're one week away from the May long weekend. We are live, of course, at Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar, as we are every single Monday. We're live on the Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar Facebook page. We're also live on the YXE Sports Podcast Facebook page, and we're also on No YXE. Hopefully you got outside and was able to enjoy some sun this weekend. I was, yeah. I helped a buddy in his uh, shed outside put up some drywall, mm -hmm. and then uh, it was uh, uh, from directions from my bride. <laughs> Time to plant flowers. So we did that front and backyard. Yeah. So didn't see you around the house. No, no, it was uh, it was weird. You it stayed it away. was weird. I was I was busy when you needed help moving the drywall. So it was the weirdest thing. Just couldn't yeah, quite exactly. make the time work. Yeah, no, it was a great weekend though, but for sure. Great weekend. The NHL playoffs started over the weekend, which of course we will get to on the show. Um, but first, some local news as uh, the Husky Athletics have uh, hired their new chief athletics officer. And that is Shannon Chin. So she will be announced as the new chief athletics officer. She takes over on June the 15th, and she has an extensive, extensive background right in sports. She's worked with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. She's worked at TSN. Uh, and more recently, she's helped bring some of those NHL games to Mosaic Stadium down in Regina. Mm -hmm. And uh, Shannon is uh, a lady that you know quite well. Well, we did spend some time together when she was with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and I was with TSN in the day. And yeah, this is a tremendous hire for university athletics. Uh, from what I understand, Shannon is going to be around Saskatoon early part of July. So that's great. And, it, you know, again, it's, it's so interesting how things have played out at the University of Saskatchewan with regards to athletics because Shannon was just named CAO this past week. And, uh, you know, the Mike Babcock hiring, which you think a CAO would be in on, was made some time ago. So, but it'll be interesting to see Shannon take over, what sort of innovative ideas she has for Huskies Athletics and uh, exactly what's going to go on campus. Now, I really get the sense that there are going to be some exciting things taking place uh, at, at the University of Saskatchewan with regards to the sports that are uh, at that university. So stay tuned. I think... Uh, I think 2021-22, it's going to be a very interesting year just with regards to some of the things we see. Well, and it'll be great timing, right? Everybody's itching to get back to uh, Griffith Stadium yeah. or Merlis Belcher Place or the Pack or whatever it may be, right? So uh, yeah. Husky Athletics does have a real opportunity as people around here are going to be uh, craving some sort of sports yep. as uh, they already are. Joe on our Facebook page says, great hire for Shannon Chin. And yep. we agree, extensive, extensive knowledge. Uh, and she's worked uh, in some pretty big roles with some pretty big organizations. So uh, that is the new chief athletics officer. Of course, she's taking over for Dave Hardy, who we had on the podcast a few months ago, uh, who is retiring. Yep. So that's uh, what's new around Saskatoon. Now we can head to the NHL because the playoffs kicked off this weekend. The Scotiabank North Division is still playing regular season games. So that's another point. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> some fantastic hockey games over wow. the weekend. How about this Florida Tampa yeah. Bay series? I mean, let's start there with the what makes any great playoff series uh, fly and what makes it land is hate. All right, that's what you want in a series. Nothing serious. You don't want anyone to get hurt, but you want a little animosity. I'm not sure if there was a whistle last night that didn't result in a scrum. <laughs> I don't think there was. Might have been two or three that I saw, and that was about it. And Tampa Bay, you know, it's interesting because Florida's the, the only thing strategy that I think Florida is trying to use is look, Tampa Bay, they're the defending cup champions. 
do everything in your power to make them expend energy after the whistle. And Florida has really tried to do that in this in this uh, first game anyway. Now, we'll see if it lasts. I think Tampa Bay is going to win the series. They're, they're a great team. And if you take a look at just how they pass, how they use the boards, how they generate open ice, especially on the game winner last night, you really do see a team that is, you know, very skilled. And that's where they might have an edge over Florida. But um, I honestly cannot wait for game two of that yeah. series based on that one goal win by Florida and just, you know, the intensity and heat of that opener. Wow. And the Florida Panthers do have a wealth of playoff experience, not the team itself, but some of the players and coaches in the organization, yep. right? Of course, their head coach is Joel Quenville, won yep. three cups with the Chicago Blackhawks, yep. 2010, 2013, and 2015. Uh, Patrick Hornquist won a cup with the Penguins back in 2017. And you know who else is there? I, don't, I think he was suspended last night, but Sam Bennett, yep. the former Calgary player, yep. he's a skilled guy too. And so, you know, when it comes to kind of uh, some wide open hockey, which Tampa Bay will try generate. He's not going to be around for the second game, as yeah. I said, but a guy like that could be a difference maker. Well, and Alex too. Barkov and Jonathan Huberto were so good. They right? really and were. They're yeah. so underrated because they play in Florida. That was one of those <laughs> games you you really thought to yourself, that's too bad one team had to lose. Yeah. You know, it really yeah. was because, I mean, some of the moves and the goals and everything that went under that game were just, it was highlight real stuff. Yeah. Um, the Panthers had fans in attendance as every American. NHL team will. Yep. Uh, the North Division uh, isn't, but that's a discussion for another time. But anyways, <laughs> uh, the big thing in Florida and the playoffs is the rats, right? Because it all goes back to 1995 when Scott Mellonby killed that rat in the yep. locker room. So, and then all the fans threw rats on the ice. So a couple of rats made appearances. And they're back. The rats are back. The rats are back in Florida for uh, Panther playoff yep. hockey. So that was one heck of a hockey game last night. Yeah, it really was. Um, the Islanders and Penguins, New York got uh, off to a one nothing series lead. Uh, they won an overtime yep. yesterday afternoon. Kyle Palmieri had two goals. Yep. Big deadline acquisition from New Jersey. Um, Vegas and Minnesota was another fantastic hockey game. That game went to overtime. That game ended one nothing. One zip. But there were chances at either end. I mean, there, there really were. The goaltenders played really well in that game. I think that's going to be a... Uh, a closer series than a lot of people think that Vegas, Minnesota. Oh, do you really? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think. I mean, a lot of people are saying, like, when you take a look at the top teams in, in the National Hockey League, I mean, Vegas was obviously right there with Colorado. Yeah. I don't know. If, I, I'm not sure I agree with okay. that. I think Vegas is going to put the hammer down here and okay. probably probably end this thing in five yeah. or maybe six, but I don't think it'll go the distance. Colorado and St. Louis. So we obviously know who you're going to pick there. Yep. Colorado. Yep. Um, Carolina and Asheville. That series has yet to start, too. Yes. Yeah. I think, uh, game one goes tonight. I think it'll be Carolina. I think Carolina. I think the Canes will win that series. Yeah, Rob Brendamore taking over. Is that yep. the team? He's got that team playing a well. Certain level of. Well, and you know, the, the one thing, I mean, I, <laughs> he got criticized a couple of years ago for letting the players kind of play to the fans with their yeah. post game antics and stuff, but. Rob Brendamore's a former player and an elite player at that. Cup champion. A, a cup champion, and he's a guy who understands that you got to let players kind of, you know, don't box players' creativity. It's a big difference between, I think, between a guy like him and John Tortorella. Yeah. Right? John Tortorella has a system that he expects everybody to play, whereas Rod Brendamore kind of lets teams and his, his guys kind of, you know, just let the – let the freedom go, and right. it's 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 paying off. Not to say that I'm not saying that Rod doesn't have a system. Yeah, but I am just saying that um, that you know, that just from an observation standpoint, it certainly seems like he's a guy who uh, just kind of lets his team 
you know, kind of played to their strengths a little bit. And that certainly, and, you know, it's it served him well for sure. Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar is running a uh, office pool. Okay. So the link is in the comments if you want to join. You can definitely do that, but the link is there uh, in the Facebook comments. Make sure you get in on their office pool. Um, and there you go. Join our hockey pool. So we definitely will. Yep. Um, Boston, Washington, game two is going on as we are live here at Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar. It's 2-1 Boston. Last time I saw Washington won game one. Tom Wilson, of course, uh, yep. the villain. <laughs> game winner. The NHL. Yep. Uh, well, he insist on the game winner. Oh, he insisted on the yeah, game winner. But he, he scored another one. Yeah, he, he scored, scored the first goal. goal. That's yeah. right. He opened yeah. the scoring. And one of the, yeah, one of the things about that was Ovechkin was starting to run around a little yeah. bit on game, and finally yeah. a couple of Bruins kind of played some old-time hockey on Alex Ovechkin and tried to minimize him. You know that Tom Wilson's going to be up for that challenge no matter what the Bruins throw at him. So you've got some characters on both teams that just aren't afraid to mix it up, and that uh, that series might be uh, – that that's a series that could be very close. Yes. I think if you look at a close series – that one could be. Well, Boston has that grit too. But yep. They can kind of Absolutely. go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Washington. Yep. On, right? For sure. So yep. That'll be a fantastic series. And there are two series that will happen in the North Division once uh, the Vancouver Canucks play out their remaining 56 games. Obviously a tough situation for them because yeah. they had the massive COVID outbreak. So uh, they still have some, don't tell them this, but they have some meaningless uh, games yeah. to, to finish up. But uh, Edmonton and Winnipeg and Toronto and Montreal in the first round in the North Division. Connor McDavid had 22 points in nine games against the Winnipeg Jets yeah. this season. Mike Smith was a perfect 4-0 against the Winnipeg Jets this year. So obviously you look at all the stats on paper and the Winnipeg Jets kind of struggled down the stretch towards the playoffs. You've got to think that Edmonton's probably going to win that series. Oh yeah, and, and again, we're seeing that playoff hockey from, uh, we're, we're seeing that playoff hockey from Connor McDavid. Yeah. And you know he he just does things with the with the puck on stick at a high rate of speed yeah. that nobody else does, right? And we I, talked about we talked about uh, Tampa Bay and how they showed skill, but I mean you get yeah. Drysaitel and McDavid yeah. going, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a real problem for the Winnipeg Jets. And then think. of course we have Toronto and Montreal. My Leafs versus your Habs. Now I said I was being a little grateful today because I said that the Toronto Maple Leafs would win in six. Ray Morrison to my left thinks that uh, it might be a sweep. Yep. Or, or maybe a one one goal game. Um, that's going to be interesting too, right? I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs, that's been the knock on them. I mean, they're not in the first round anyways, but they don't have to face the big bad Bruins in the first yep. round this year. Um, and that's been their arch nemesis in the playoffs. But the Leafs added the toughness and the size in the offseason with Simmons and uh, Joe Thornton, Zach Bogosian. It was announced today he's going to be back for the playoffs. Riley Nash, who they brought over from Columbus, yep. and uh, Jack Campbell is going to be the starter in Game One for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he was 17-3 and two in yeah. the season. Uh, Carey Price for Montreal is most likely going to be back, but he's coming off of an injury, so you never know how yep. rusty he's going to be. And Brendan Gallagher sounds like he might and be back in the lineup for the for Carey too. Price. When is this one game tune up in the AHL? Uh, coming yeah. up, I don't know what day, but it's got to yeah. be soon. Yeah. yeah. So, so just think about that. Your star goaltender, if you're the Montreal Canadiens, as you're about to face Austin Matthews, is getting tune-up games in the American Hockey League. <laughs> so with that, I mean, it, it, I do think it's going to be very tough for the Montreal Canadiens. I was joking that the Toronto Maple Leafs might be able to make amends for that 1979 sweep they suffered at the hands of the Habs by uh, sweeping Montreal this time around. It's a long time to wait if you're a Leafs fan. But, uh, you know, Toronto... They come at you in waves too, right? I mean, you're you're a guy like Zach Hyman. All of a sudden, he shows up with a multi-point game, and you just don't know when that's going to happen. But 
there's quite a bit of depth on that team. And not only that, but don't forget that this is a group that has also learned from guys like Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza all year, right? So if you've got some young players that have some questions about the rigors of playoff hockey, having those guys around, even though they might not get much or any ice time, I mean, that's those guys have really played a value for a Toronto Maple Leaf team that is now getting set to go into the Stanley Cup playoffs. So that's uh, you know, kind of why I like Toronto in this. There's a lot of things to really like about the Maple Leafs. And you touched on Jack Campbell too, Matt. That's, you know, mm. he's been so good that, um, that you know, I think the Maple Leafs uh, uh, are going to be in pretty good shape to get to round two of this series. One more note about the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was announced today that they have promoted Haley Wickenheiser to Senior Director of Player Development. And they've also hired Danielle Goyette uh, as the Director of player personnel or player development rather yep uh so two well one promotion and one hire of course goyette was the head coach for the university of calgary dinos women's hockey team yep. and just a storied storied hockey career uh in her own right and Haley wickenheiser actually just got her doctorate um not too long ago yeah well. she started a residency at a toronto hospital yep. uh Haley wickenheiser from shonovan what did i see goyette and uh, they were teammates for six world championships okay if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. But um, I'm not, I, I think that's what I read. But having said that, I mean, you think about those two, and, you know, you talk about lifelong teammates and what you learn from teammates. Imagine what Wickenheiser and Goyette have learned in their storied career in women's hockey to a point that they'll be able to pass on within that Toronto Maple Leafs organization. So that's uh, that's another impressive move by Toronto, for sure. For sure. Of course, it sounds like uh, Wickenheiser will be in charge of the NHL and the uh, AHL's Toronto Marlies in that regard as well. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But the NHL playoffs are well underway. It's going to be a fantastic next few months. And uh, nobody, my family, uh, my girlfriend, nobody's going to be able to talk to me for those few months while the NHL playoffs are on. Good. Uh, you can <laughs> so good. Just so you know. Uh, speaking of the NHL playoffs. Looking for a reason. There you go. Speaking of the NHL playoffs, they're <laughs> on. Every single game of the NHL playoffs is right here at Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar. So you can come on down to Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar and catch each and every single game, $5 beverages at Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar for any NHL playoff game. And uh, like we said, it's round one. So there's lots of playoff hockey to be had. And it's all right here on the corner of Circle and Idlewild at Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar. So there's been a lot of negativity around the Canadian Football League for the past five decades. So, yeah, okay, sure. I was going to say the past year, but okay. yeah, that works too. Uh, but it does seem like there is uh, more and more optimism yeah. surrounding a 2021 CFL season, even though it's already been pushed back. And uh, there was an article by Pat Steinberg on CFL.ca, works yep. for the Fan 960 out of Calgary. Yep. Uh, and it was a very optimistic article, basically just saying that uh, the CFL kind of figured that the Ontario teams weren't going to be able to play at home or have fans at home games. So there's a couple of options, one of which is to start all the road games for the East Division teams out yep. west. But there's, you know, and you can speak to this more than me because I think you know more about the article, but there's just sounds like a, a certain level of optimism that the 2021 20, CFL season is going to go no matter what. Well, I think part of the optimism in these parts comes from what Scott Moe has laid out in the phase one, phase two, phase three uh, plan that he has to kind of get this province rolling and back to normal again. And obviously, in Saskatchewan, when you talk about getting back to normal, Rough Rider football is a big part of that. So that's that's it. But in the article, there was this quote. When the league announced their 2021 return to play plan, August 5th was the date targeted. 
to start a 14-game season. And knowing some of what we've heard in recent weeks, that seems like a realistic one. And that's that's mm-hmm. interesting, you know, when you take a look at, um, you know, kind of vaccine rates and that sort of thing. Because as we've talked about before, you know, the Canadian Football League, it's a, it's a ticket-driven league, and you can't do it without fans. Now, the question, I guess, is in different provinces – um, you know, if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers or the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, can you make a go of it at 40, 60 percent capacity? That's some of the numbers that will have to be crunched in the West. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, it's it's definitely good news. You know, and one of the things that we are all clinging to, right, is optimism. Right. And so you kind of target that vaccine situation and see what everybody is, you know, has received their second dose. And then, you know, kind of follow the science, you know, take a look at the trends and see what those numbers are. Uh, now Manitoba has an uptick, right? Alberta's kind of leveling off. We're kind of holding our own here. So, you know, things do have to settle down a lot before this could really be considered. But, you know, if you're forecasting and looking ahead, as good businesses do, uh, this article was was pretty intriguing. Well, and it kind of sounds like Randy Ambrosi and the rest of the Canadian Football League was prepared. Just like this, you know, they kind of figured this might be a thing where in Ontario, they're not going to be able to go or they're not going to be able to play games or not have fans or right. whatever, right? It sounds like the CFL and Randy Ambrosi was prepared for that outcome. And, you know, now we're probably here and, you know, they're still pretty optimistic. Uh, former Saskatoon uh, sportscaster John Frazier put this on Twitter last week. What about having games in Saskatoon? Where would you do that? SNF, Griffiths. Well, no, because you, you can only, I think SMF Field only holds 5,000 people. So if you're in a ticket, well, it's more than zero people, more than not playing, right? Well, now, you know, I don't know. You'd have the added cost of taking two teams out of their city instead of one, right? Yeah, uh, but if the teams are going to be in the West anyways, right? Uh, yeah, but the right. home team would have to go through the cost of going on the road to yeah. play too, right? So. Right. Yeah, no, I don't really see that being an no. option. No. Well, um, um, sorry to burst yeah. your bubble, John. Yeah. Well, the, no, we obviously we love John Fraser, but but uh, if if you're, uh, you know, if you're holding games at SMF Field, then you're probably holding games at Mosaic, where there's more room, right? And and, and you know, it's it's a thirty thousand seat stadium there, so yeah, I'm I'm not necessarily sure about that that way of thinking, but that creative thinking is something that, you know, you might have to need, you might have to have. And, you know, like we talked about, uh, it's certainly not going to be ideal if the Hamilton Tiger Cats have to play six of their last seven games at home. But having said that, um, that's the way it might have to be. But it's it's better than, uh, you know, it's better than not having a season at all. And this is a one-off and, you know, every league's trying to find its way. And the unique thing about the Canadian Football League is the fact that uh, you know, it's it's ticket driven. So you've got to kind of, if you're the business owner, you got to do the math on, you know, how, how few fans you can get by on where you're still profitable, and uh, and and getting these games on for sure. Uh, Five thousand fans would probably still be more than uh, they get at uh, BMO Field in Toronto. So there's that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do I think. But, no, I know that the uh, the um, you know. Just assuming or spitballing that something like that would be an option, I know for a fact that the fan interest would outdraw the capacity. There'd be more fan interest in going to watch a game at SMF or Griffiths, a CFL game, than there would be capacity. I know that for a fact. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, obviously, yeah. Yeah. Crown I mean, them all in there. 
I say. <laughs> right? Yeah. That seems like a good idea. Yeah. Let's go over current. This was interesting from Farhan Laloshi today. Uh, and I quote from Farhan's um, Twitter feed. I'm told the Woodall Keith group that has been looking to purchase the BC Lions for the better part of the past decade is no longer interested. A six-person consortium with an estimated net worth of $1 billion. They simply got tired of waiting. I'm told there are three or four other interested groups in the BC Lions. And that's one of the things that also has to be figured out. You know, David Braley's estate, uh, I think it's the current owner of the BC Lions. So they're trying to sell that team off, have been for a while. And that's a, you know, if you talk about teams that might draw 5,000 fans, yeah. you know, uh, some nights the BC Lions, those crowds don't look good. They draw more than five, but, um, that's, you know, that's another interesting situation. And don't forget about the ownership group in Montreal, too. You know, they really haven't had an opportunity to operate their football team yet. Are they still invested? Are they still in? What are they doing? So there's um, there are some questions on the ownership front that uh, that uh, are will be interesting to see through here as we as we hopefully get to a 2021 season. Well, it's too bad about the BC Lions, too. I was never in BC place before they redid it, but... Uh when they went through that big renovation there in 2010, 2011. But yep. I was in BC Place after it was redone in the fall of 2019. The BC Lions were playing the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and I was in Vancouver, so I took in that game in the stadium. Since they've redone it, it's awesome. Yeah. Like, it's a, a fantastic facility, and it's, you know, half or a quarter full, yeah. right, which is, is too bad. But it will be interesting to see if uh, there's maybe some business people in and around British Columbia or whatever that want to step up and, Take yep. a chance at that. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with the CFL. But there is definitely uh, a continued optimism that 2021 is going to get played in the CFL season. Of course, the last we heard, it's going to be a 14-game season as opposed to an 18-game season. So that's the latest on the CFL front. Uh, one more note that uh, we need to get to before we... Well, actually, two things. I'm gonna We're going to leave off on the Toronto Raptors. But first, I want to talk about the World Hockey Championships because those are a goal, goal this year over in Latvia, I believe. Uh, Saskatoon's Darcy Kemper, goaltender for the Arizona yep. Coyotes, is on that roster. And Prince Albert's Braden Schneider, a draft pick of the New York Rangers, is on that roster. So a couple yep. of Saskatchewan players on Team Canada. So we wish them uh, the best of luck at the World Hockey Championships over in Latvia. For the first time in eight seasons, the Toronto Raptors will not make the playoffs. And this season, uh, the end of the season, well, that's a couple different question marks for the Toronto Raptors. Yep. Masai Ujiri and Kyle Lowry, are they going to be back? That's uh, Those are the $2 million questions that nobody knows the answer to. Well, and it's interesting, too, because if you take a look at, the, you know, the game of basketball, one of the things that happens is teams get stacked, right? You can stack a team in the NBA easier than any other sport because there's five guys on the court. So if you get four superstars, you're generally in pretty good shape. It's why, you know, the L.A. Lakers have been one of the most dominant teams in the National Basketball Association for you know, many years. Chicago did it, you know, three decades ago with all the stars that they had. You stack a team and you find a coach that wants to go there who's got some pretty good pedigree, and, and that's what happens. So now with no Kyle Lowry, potentially, you know, if, if that happens, let's say Kyle Lowry does not come back to the Toronto Raptors and you lose Masai Ujiri, I mean, you talk about the final two pieces from when that team won its championship. It's that's getting close. Yeah. I mean, there's still some good players around, right? Fred Van, Van Leet and some pretty good players, but you're getting pretty close to a rebuild, yeah. you know, at some point in time. I mean, everybody was hoping that um, the quick fix Kawhi Leonard was going to come back after his one year in Toronto. Of course, he did not. 
and maybe some others have just looked at the situation and decided that you know it's not it's not going to be for them and maybe Kyle's looking at it that way thinking that uh, he wants to play for a winner and of course for a guy like um, Kyle Lowry there's going to be some teams yep. with some money yep. that are interested in bringing him on I think one of the things that the Raptors can hang their hat on is the job that uh, Nick Nurse has done ever since he took over as head coach Absolutely. of the franchise, yep. right? Um, so, you know, if Ujiri leaves, if Kyle Lowry leaves, you know, I think as long as Nick Nurse is still the head coach of the Toronto Raptors, then uh, they're going to be okay. Um, you know, I was watching some of their exit interviews. And, you know, they weren't making excuses, but uh, there were a lot of different things that factored into the, yep. the poor play this year. I mean, talk about being so out of your element, yep. having to play down in Tampa, yep. right? Uh, it was funny, Fred Van Vliet during his uh, exit interview or press conference was talking about how in his condo in Florida, in his backyard, there were some alligators. Ah, yeah. So he said he didn't get close enough to get to know their names or anything no, like that. But, no, no. Well, some of the things that the Toronto Raptors were uh, dealing with. They aren't when they were down in Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yep. NBA playoffs are going to be uh, good as well. Yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah, for sure. So. Uh, that pretty much wraps it up for this week's edition of the YXE Sports Podcast. So thanks so much for tagging along and watching, or thanks so much for tagging along and listening. Make sure you head over to the YXE Sports Podcast Facebook page. Give that a like. Subscribe to our No YXE YouTube channel as well, because we are so, so close to hitting a milestone in subscribers. And uh, producer Ian was telling oh, really? me. Yeah, producer Ian was telling me that he's going to buy me lunch if they hit 100 subscribers or something like that. Huh? So. Maybe I'll just create like six different YouTube accounts. And where will you go for lunch? I don't know. Probably Wendell Clark's class. I would think so. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Right? (laughs) Why not? Maybe during an NHL uh, playoff game. Yeah, for sure. uh, Like I said, that does wrap it up for this week's edition of the Live Sports Podcast. Next week is the May long weekend, so we will take the weekend off to spend up at the cabin with the family, whatever that case may be. Um, So we will talk to you in two weeks. That will be the next episode of the YXE Sports Podcast.